Welcome to the Insurance Marketing Organization Podcast, where financial services marketing expert Seth Green interviews IMO experts, executives, and top producers to share can't-miss tips on how they successfully manage their IMOs, grow their businesses, create great relationships, and influence the industry. And now, here's your host, Seth Green. Hey, Seth Green here. Welcome to episode two in our special series on the five principles that will grow your IMO or your practice like magic. So if you heard episode one, we talked about who is your ideal target. It isn't every financial advisor. It isn't every insurance agent. It has to be a whole lot more specific than that. Today, we're going to talk about the second factor, the second principle, which is where, where are they? You have to, this should be common sense, but it's not. You have to be able to affordably target and reach them. And you have to be able to find them where they are. So where does that advisor hang out? That's not just at their broker dealer, if they're at one. That's just not at another FMO or IMO, if they're doing that through their fixed business. Where are they in their personal life? What are their hobbies? What are their lifestyle selects? What do they do when they're not at work being a financial advisor or insurance agent? So is your financial advisor also an avid golfer? Not a guy who plays a couple times a year, maybe with some clients every once in a while, but someone who is avid or passionate about the sport of golf. Well, now if I'm marketing to advisors or agents who are avid, avid golfers, My marketing message is going to be, and I can get an affordable, reachable list of them. My target mark, my marketing is going to be totally different because as opposed to the random generic letters and marketing pieces I get in the mail from IMOs, I was just looking for one all the time, I could be specific, right? I got one in the letter. I got a postcard the other day, you know, offering to switch my securities business and telling me that the reason I should do that is because they have a better technology platform. I don't know any advisor or any agent who's going, man, I'm so upset with my technology platform. I just hope somebody calls me or emails me cold or sends me a letter tomorrow to help me repaper and switch over and transfer all of my accounts so that I can have a better login experience, right? We don't, that's not really, we might not be thrilled with our technology, but I don't think that personal assessment, I don't think that's the reason, the number one reason why agents switch. Now, the most popular one that IMOs tend to market is we have a better mousetrap. It's not necessarily, sometimes, but it's not necessarily that we have the best contracts, we have the best rates, we have the best commissions, or we have the best product, right? We have a whiz-bang new living benefit on an annuity with an index wrapper, whatever it is, and that's why you should switch and write all your business with us. Usually, the most common one I get and the one, one that you as an IMO probably send is we have better marketing, right? We've got a radio ad that goes to a book and then you get all the leads in your area and it's crushing it and advisors getting all kinds of appointments or we've got a better seminar or we've got a better webinar or we've got better Facebook ads or we've got this new whiz bang marketing thing that is going to get you more business because that is what every advisor, every agent, we all say we want, right? Number one thing, oh, if we could just get me more leads, if you could just get me more qualified appointments with real prospects who show up, I can close them. Now, it's funny, I ask advisors all the time who tell me that I just need more butts in the seats, more people to be in front of, and I'm good. And I say, okay, how many new prospect meetings did you have in the last 30 days? They say, okay, I had four, or I had 10. Really? You had 10. Awesome. 
How many did you close? Deer in the headlights. Go look. How many new accounts you open? Two. Okay, so you got a 20% close rate. So you don't just need more people. You need a better conversion process because we go 400 leads, you only get 20 clients, you'll waste 80 of them, right? You need a higher conversion rate, but most advisors don't track it. They like to think of themselves as good closers. I meet with people and they want to do business with me. But if you actually have them track their numbers, that's not necessarily always the case. And then what else do they want? They want referrals, but they feel bad asking their clients feel bad when they get asked because they can't think of anybody and they don't usually get very many, even though they're doing a good enough job. So we're going to do a whole, we can do a whole, I have a whole separate, two separate services as a marketing firm and numerous webinars teaching the three reasons why advisors don't get referrals. And it's got nothing to do with them asking wrong. They shouldn't ask at all. That's a whole separate conversation, but how to promote a referral culture and get your clients to refer willingly without you asking. Just call you up and go, I got somebody for you. Like it's an oil well. It just gushes oil all the, every single month, pumps out more referrals. But that's a whole separate conversation. So you've got to target. Your message can change based on where you are finding those advisors. So again, if I've got a golf message, it could be I'm inviting them to, instead of just a lunch and learn, if it was physical, if you were marketing in an area, you could rent a country club. And not for dinner, you could have a golf pro give all of them, take 10 advisors, 12 advisors, three foursomes, golf pro works with each one of them. And then you guys go play nine holes and then have lunch. You think some of them will switch and say, my IMO is not doing that? Of course they will, because you're marketing to them based on where you're finding them, based on their interests outside of work. You know, if you have, I have a 14-year-old soccer star, if you marketed to me based on youth soccer, I'm sure there's tons of agents and advisors who are coaches of youth soccer teams because of their kids. I'm not a coach anymore because he's outgrown my abilities and now he plays on an Olympic development team. So they have serious professional Olympic coaches, right? Not that volunteer dads anymore. And his club team has division one coaches, like not volunteer dads anymore. So, but if you marketed to me based on that, if I got a mailing from you with a soccer ball on the outside of the envelope and, you know, hey, kick the competition and stuff like that, oh my God, would I respond? I have a 12 year old who's into musical theater. I have a nine year old who's a cheerleader. I'm not saying you have to market to us based on our kids, but what about what am I passionate about? Because I'm not necessarily passionate about, ooh, you got street level comp, you're gonna pay me a little bit more, you got a slightly better product until somebody else copies your living benefit rider, if you're you know, an annuity or LTC rider on, uh, on a life insurance policy, whatever that is, right? You got advisors and agents who are contracted with multiple IMOs. I'm contracted here because I like this product. I'm contracted over here because they said they were gonna help me with marketing. I'm contracted here because they said they were gonna do Facebook. But nobody's getting all the business because there hasn't been one compelling point of differentiation argument made that made the advisor or the agent go, this is the holy grail. This is what I want. I am putting all my business here because I want to earn X, Y, and Z, whatever that is. Now, again, if you market based on who we are outside of work, nobody else is doing that. Can you get that data? Yeah, absolutely. Is it going to cost you more money to sub-segment your list by that? Of course it is. Is it worth it? Absolutely, because your conversion rates will go through the roof. Let's talk about that. What are your conversion rates when it comes to converting advisors? So they are leads in your database. 
those agents registered for a webinar, downloaded an ebook, went to your website, said they were interested. How many of them write with you? How many of them will get appointed? And then most importantly, how many write with you? I was talking to an IMO yesterday, a little smaller, 1,200 advisors, 250 write business. A thousand of them do not. They're appointed, but they do nothing. And I said, you know what? Let me go after those thousand for you. Let me be you. Let me market to those thousand because they signed up with you for a reason. So let's reactivate their interest in that reason. Let's drip on them. Let's provide them resources and benefits and stuff that doesn't cost you anything to deliver that gets them engaged in the process and gets them to start writing business. See, that's one of the most important factors you need to track. A most important key performance indicator is time to first contract. So there's the, how long does it take you to turn a lead into somebody appointed? And then how long does it take them to write the first piece of business? The faster you can make that happen, the better off you will be. And then the second most important stat is how much time lags between the first business and the second piece. Because I'd be willing to bet you, if you looked at your numbers, you have a whole bunch of advisors who wrote nothing and just got appointed. You have a bunch of advisors who got appointed, wrote one piece of business and never did anything again. But the people who have once, the statistics show that once they write that second piece of business, the snowball of momentum starts and they're more likely to keep writing. So you've got to get them to that second piece of business. Stay tuned for the third principle in the five principles. So we talk about how to grow your IMO by magic.